welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Deep Dive. I'm your host, David Danielson. Today, I'm joined by Andrea DeCout. Andrea comes with decades of experience helping organizations improve operational efficiency, as well as optimize their leadership structure for their organizations. Andrea has been a practice management consultant for years and really has great insights into what's going on in both private practices, FQHCs, and hospital dental programs. We're so glad that she could join us today. Let's dive in. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much, David. Nice to be here. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in dentistry? Sure. I've been in the dental industry for over 30 years. I'm a registered dental hygienist by trade. I knew that, unfortunately, so many years of doing dental hygiene and your body starts to break down a little bit, that I knew I needed to kind of move in a different direction. And I actually started in education. I became an assistant clinical professor at Boston University at the dental school back in 2007. And then I transitioned a little bit into the the business side of dentistry because I felt that that's where I felt like a really strong need. So I became the senior director of dental operations at a large FQHC here in Massachusetts. And that's when I really started to dive into like the financial aspect of, of dentistry, because I found that that's where, that's where most of my interest actually lied, was there. I actually worked again after that with Safety Net Solutions, which was a consulting firm that worked with technical assistance with a lot of safety net practices, non-FQHCs, FQHCs hospital-based practices, and actually even mobile programs. That's fantastic. It's very interesting how we all evolve into the dental industry a little bit. <laughs> you know, we all come at it from different way. You've been here for a while. You know, what, what do you see evolving in the industry right now? So much, I think even, you know, through COVID, so much has evolved through this. One of the, the major focuses that we've had is on disease management and prevention. And I don't know if you've heard or not, but there's a lot coming forward with value-based payments, especially in the safety net community. And I think it's the recognition of how do we make this work? How do we transition like a fee-for-service or an encounter-based reimbursement? Again, reimbursement has been the same for years and years and years. And now we're actually maybe changing that out. And how do we really concentrate on patient outcomes? And how do we get reimbursed for that? And I think in the health center world, especially, you have the medical dental integration. So the, the combination of those two, I think, is going to be really influential in this, in the value-based reimbursement model. The other thing is through COVID, I don't know if you've seen this at all either, but there was a lot of, a lot of talk about non-aerosol producing procedures. And when you start to work with like more minimally invasive procedures, you know, if you're looking at silver diamine fluoride or the ITRs or anything like that, it's been eye-opening to like our prevention and disease management model of care. Yeah, that's really interesting that you're highlighting that because in other conversations I've had with organizations, I'm seeing a big push towards diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that we can link ICBT-10 codes to procedures. And I'm seeing that push both on the clinical and on the operational side where 
hey, listen, the concept of value-based care, I think that is something that's here to stay. To be completely honest, I think we're going to see more push in that direction, certainly over the next five years, for sure. And if you look at some of the details in the Cures Act, which we're following very closely, you're seeing a lot of push on making sure that patient record information can flow more easily. And I think that that's something that's continuing to build upon that linkage between medical and dental. And I think those are those are going to be really interesting trends that we'll see over the next couple of years here. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're absolutely right with that. I do. And I think a lot is going to be, again, based on outcomes. I think we're always in this cycle of we know that dental disease, dental decay is preventable, it's reversible, and we're just constantly chasing our tail. It's like a fill and drill and bill kind of model. And how do we get out of that model to, to make our patients healthier? Because I think, we're again, we're just constantly chasing our tail. And I, you know, hopefully that even with this, we know we'll really start to, to concentrate on outcomes to make our patients healthier. Again, I think it's going to take a long time to get there. But I think if we start on that path, I think it's going to be really good for the, for the dental community. Absolutely, for sure. So one of the things that has come up, part of the fact that we're all in the same community is we all have little reputations. And certainly your name floats around quite a bit in your, in your region of the world, particularly around your expertise in financial management and the success of dental programs. So one of the things that keeps coming up is, you know, I keep bumping into safety net or health centers, and some of them are actually struggling with their organizations. If you were to kind of open that up and help us understand, you know, why, what, why are they struggling right now? And, and what are some of those common challenges that they're seeing? Yeah, you know, right now is, is really challenging just with, just with COVID. But a lot of the issues that I think health centers were having even pre-COVID are going to happen post-COVID as well. And one of the questions that we get all the time is, are we billing properly? Are we coding properly? I think that are we getting paid for, are we getting paid for the services that we're actually providing? You know, sometimes we have to take a step back. We just have to take a step back and say, are we maximizing the productivity of our providers, number one? And number two, are we actually getting paid for the services that are being provided? And you'll be amazed at the answers to that. A lot of the work that I have done is actually digging. You don't want to talk about a deep dive. It's actually doing a deep dive into the revenue cycle. And a lot of times the answer to that question is you're not getting paid. And we've got to find out why. As a clinician myself, I know how hard we work on the clinical side and how do we make sure that we get paid for it. I mean, we don't want to keep driving and driving and driving the dentist to do more if we're actually not collecting on the other side. So for me, it's looking at the entire cycle and making sure that you're billing and coding and collecting like we should be. Keeping that close eye on AR, I think it's, it's really critical right now. And with all the changes that we see with Medicaid, state by state, I mean, you really need to stay on top of it and, and focus on it. One of the things that I've heard from some of the clinics I've worked with is that COVID actually did them some favors, right? It allowed them to take a step back. We had a little bit of a pause there for a second. Yeah. And that allowed some of us to take a step back. And, and I know organizations right now that are much more balanced in their approach to dentistry because they weren't able to do every single small procedure. And they ended up being a lot more strategic in in their approaches for treating patients. And, and I'm hearing really great things about improved outcomes for patients when we take that step back and we focus on the patient just a little bit more 
and start really delivering the care that we wanted. And that's why a lot of us went into dentistry in the first place is to get better oral care <laughs> to patients. And so it's really interesting theme that I'm seeing right now. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I agree with you hundred percent. And I think that what we're doing is instead of like taking an appointment and actually seeing what happens in an appointment and providing more care in the appointment because we know that the lengths are longer. We're, we're seeing a limited number of patients, but actually providing more care in that time period, in that appointment, because I think we're always go, 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 go. And I think you're so right in taking that step back and actually concentrating on that patient for a longer period of time. I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. So there are some practices out there that they're, they're running in the red right now. Yeah. And those are probably your bread and butter. Those are the ones that raise their hand like, Andrea, can you help us out? <laughs> we really want some help. So <laughs> right, right, right. what advice do you have for practices that are struggling right now? I think for me, it's paying attention. It's paying attention to dental, having eyes on dental. And that actually starts from senior leadership. It has to start from the top down. I think that... Dental is always a smaller percentage, especially in the health center world. And medical is, is, is major, it's big. And dental is much smaller. And I think the focus is always what medical needs and what medical wants, but we can't forget about dental and what dental needs. And I think that what I've seen lately is a shift, a shift into saying, oh my gosh, we really need to pay attention to what's happening in the dental department. And that comes from the top down. But again, it's taking that pause. It's taking the pause because when we talk about revenue cycle, it's there's so many points of contact in that cycle, okay, that we have to start from the beginning, start from the very, very beginning of is the front desk collecting all the necessary information that they need. Because I think what our goal is, is how you get a clean claim out the door from the get-go. Because when you look at how much time, I mean, think about it, how much time actually gets spent resubmitting claims, researching claims, how many times do they just get left by the wayside because there's not enough staff to be able to rework those claims? So I think our ultimate goal is how do you get a clean claim out the door from the get-go so that you don't have all that backlog of work that needs to get done on, you know, on the back end. So again, if you think about revenue cycle and how many times that cycle actually happens in a day, in a year, how many points of contact, how many potential points of failure that it could possibly have. But communication is key. Data drives decisions. So if the billing department or the finance department knows that, oh my gosh, we have a common, there's a common theme in the denials of what's happening in the, on the front end. If you don't let the dental department know that, how are they supposed to know that they need to change it? So it's actually, I think it's important that we talk to each other. We build interdisciplinary teams that can actually have these conversations because, again, you don't know what you don't know and you can't fix it if you don't know it. So if I said to the front desk, look, it, we had 30 denials in this month because of eligibility issues. The patient wasn't eligible. We need to correct that, which they're pretty easy fixes if you just know what the issue is. It's data driving those decisions. I'm actually working with someone right now. We had a huge shift. She said, we had 30 less denials than we did last month. And in one month, they had 30 less denials because they changed their workflow. They knew where their issue was. They changed their workflow and it made all the difference in the world. So I think my advice is communication. It's data. 
And it's starting at the beginning. It's starting with the patients and the, and the front desk or whoever's getting that intake, all that intake information. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because we actually had two previous podcast episodes. One was on patient financial readiness and one was on patient clinical readiness. And those are the activities you do before they even show up. You've got to have a workflow to, to really start to tick off those boxes and make sure you're getting everything you need. You know, it's interesting that you brought up one of the areas that you said that could most get advantages is in that rev cycle area. I mean, are there specific areas where you think organizations will benefit the most by focusing on RCM? I think it's communication. It's key. I think one of the areas too that a lot of health centers struggle with is collecting the copayment at time of service. They either don't know the amount that the patient's going to owe. They don't know how to ask for it. It's not very strategic in, in like even the patient understanding the value of the work that's being provided to them that day. I've seen like so much money left on the table because we're not collecting from the patient, whether it's a sliding fee or a nominal fee or even a, a co-payment from a commercial payer. That is something that I would love to see people more prepared for and letting the patient know ahead of time, you know, treatment plan, sign treatment plan, this is what your financial responsibility is. Because sometimes when, when a patient has some financial skin in the game, it's a little more meaningful. It means more, you know, if they feel that they can just get off without paying, without paying, without paying, it doesn't have as much meaning. It doesn't have the value that's associated with it. So it's finding that way. It's finding a script. It's finding a way to, for nominal fees, we don't want to make it so the patient can't afford care. But again, they need to have a little bit of skin in the game. So how do we find a way for the, the front desk to find, again, that workflow that we talked about to be able to collect their time of service? Because point of service, again, is key. Yeah, definitely. I think right now, I think there's a lot of people looking for best practice guidance. I mean, that's why they listen to a podcast like this is they want to learn something new. What rocks do they overturn first? I mean, obviously, RevCycle, I mean, that's a huge topic of conversation. We could, we could talk about that at nauseum, right? Apart from the big rock of revenue cycle management, when you start looking underneath, what are those signs that they should be really starting to tackle? I think it's efficiency. I think it's clinical efficiency. I think it's practice management efficiency. If health centers or any practice had issues with broken appointments, we know, like we know that broken appointments will make or break you. Scheduling will make or break you. How do we manage the two of them? How do we manage broken appointments? Hopefully, and what I have found through COVID, believe it or not, the broken appointment rate has actually decreased. Because I think patients are really, they really, really want to be seen. And how do we keep that momentum going? How do we keep it so there's not a high no-show rate? I mean, I've had health centers that are 50% no-show rate. That'll turn your dental department upside down. So controlling, it's controlling the chaos, which I think we've kind of done through COVID is, you know, we've kind of taken that pause and we're not seeing as many patients. So we're reducing chaos. We're hopefully seeing a reduction in no-shows. And if you haven't, how do you change that? And scheduling, scheduling is an art. It really is. I mean, scheduling is the heart of what you do. And how do you keep it where the patients are satisfied, the providers are satisfied, you keep it safe for the patients and the providers? What's your staffing look like? Staffing, I don't know if you know, like it's it's been 
it's been really challenging these days to try to keep your staffing up because your, your providers can only, the dentist can only do so much with a certain amount of staff. So looking at your staffing models, I think is very, very important. We recommend 1.5 to 2 dental assistants per provider, at least two operatories per provider for maximum efficiency of letting the, the room sit and actually working between rooms. Again, to try to keep it as safe as we possibly can through this time. But I actually don't see even our infection control measures changing. You know, I think that we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that continue after everyone's immunized. I don't think that we're going to lower those standards at all. I think that we are approaching a new norm on disease prevention. Yep. Now, do I think that some things will get a little bit more lax? Maybe. <laughs> but I think, I think there's some changes that are going to be here for a really long time. And I think that we need to get comfortable with being efficient in this new paradigm. And I think that's something we want to start tackling. I'm a huge advocate of ongoing learning and, and getting more information because like you'd said before, data-driven decisions are what drives decisions. And if you don't have data, you don't have good decisions. So, but I also believe that there's some really great opportunities, particularly in the health center space right now. I think that there's some real tangible opportunities to continue to provide better care, I think that we need to be very careful at scrutinizing our capabilities on how we can deliver care. I think that dental programs get overlooked way too much from the medical teams because they're such a smaller percentage, but it takes very specialized knowledge and tools to be really efficient with dental. We need to be really focused in on that. And I think those are going to be things that the organizations need to keep an eye on right now. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So kind of wrapping up, I mean, we're getting kind of close to a, a good wrap-up conclusion, and obviously we want to have you back. Any things that you would recommend for organizations that are trying to create that culture of success? Any advice for them? It's a great question. I think the shift that, that I've seen that we're getting a lot of feedback from, from senior leadership they're really starting to focus in on dental. And I just hope that we continue to see that. They're paying more attention to the dental side, which I think is a great, great way to start. Communicating, I can't stress, communication is usually the number one issue, like in any, like I don't, it doesn't even have to be just in dental. I think communication is just key anyway. And in understanding I would love people to like, again, take a step back and really understand the needs that others have. For example, what we need in dental, how do we talk to each other to say, well, this is where I'm struggling and this is where I'm struggling. How do I get the information that I need? Another example, I had a front desk that didn't have access to the portals to check eligibility or to get a breakdown of benefits for insurance. We actually had that discussion and they found a way to get access for the front desk, for the tools, for what they actually needed to do their job. So again, it's, it's having conversations with your, your COO, your CFO, your billing people. It's, it's getting everyone together and having those conversations. Again, in a strategic way, you know, monthly meetings, reporting data, all of those things are key elements in, in making any decisions or making any changes that you need to do. I think that through COVID, we had some major changes. Whenever we make changes, 
you know, we try to make small changes. You can't like turn it all upside down all at once. It's, it's got to be incremental changes and it takes time. A lot of these things that we need to happen aren't going to happen overnight, that they have to be small changes, but they need to, like some of these small changes can be extremely impactful either on the clinical side or on the finance and practice management side. So we focus on both the clinical and the practice management. So a lot of what we do with D4 is, is focusing on disease management and prevention, as well as the practice management. So we have the both, we have both aspects of it. We have the clinical and the administrative management because I think they go hand in hand. I totally agree. So in conclusion here, if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing to help organizations, how how do they get in touch with you? Um, You can go to our website at d4dimension.com. And I don't know if we have my, my email. I can... Do we have the email available? Do we have a way to get it out or? We, we can put some details in the show notes. We can, okay. Yeah, you, I mean, my email, anyone's welcome to, to reach out at any time because we learn from people as well. So it's a, it's a good exchange of information. That's perfect. Andrea, really appreciate you joining us here on the Dental Deep Dive. Thank you so much. Looking forward to connecting with you a little bit more regularly. Really appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of The Dental Deep Dive. And for those of you who might have listened carefully, you might have noticed that the audio was a little bit off today. That was actually a technical issue on my side of the equation, so I apologize. So glad that you were able to listen in. We're so glad that Andrea could join us And we really appreciate some of the insights that she provided today, or particularly around things that we can do to help our dental department stay focused and stay out of the red. Some of the things that she shared today that will really help us are focusing on optimizing things incrementally, particularly in that revenue cycle management process, and really starting to evaluate some of those areas of clinical documentation or financial readiness. As always, if you'd like to contribute to the show or if you'd like to go deeper on any specific subjects, please reach out. We'd be happy to hear from you. Thank you for joining us on the Dental Deep Dive, and we'll catch you next time. Today, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dentrix Enterprise. Dentrix Enterprise provides a host of solutions to help practices grow and accelerate the efficiency of their dental programs. One aspect that makes Dentrix Enterprise really robust is their tightly integrated revenue cycle management capabilities. If you'd like to learn more about Dentrix Enterprise and how it can help your practice, please visit them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.